the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 cunning schemes. I'm your co-host, Davey. And with me is my co-host who is planning something I can tell because he's got some face-down cards. It's Phil. How are you, Phil? Hey, uh, I'm not I'm not willing to divulge that information just yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we are coming at you for your context recording on the 18th of December, and we are covering Stab Lads, the new warband coming out for Underworlds, the third one released in the Death Gorge season. And they are coming at you with a three-week pre-order window, so they will not actually be available until the 13th of January. So plenty of time to marinate over this one. Yeah, Wild. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A little peek behind the curtain, actually. um, We have also recorded, uh, you'll hear one week after this release, uh, we'll have our Malevolent Masks coverage, um, also with that same pre-order window. But uh, more on that in the next episode. We should say thanks to GW for making this review possible by providing a preview copy of the Warband. But uh, before we get into that uh, episode proper, uh, we are going to talk to you about uh, some community shout outs. Um, one that I have overdue is uh, Wathlab sent us his a link to his uh, Chosen Axes overhaul. This has been a passion product uh, project for him. Uh, he is, I, I think you could probably say, one of the dons of the uh, of the Chosen Axes Mafia. Yeah, um, if not and, the godfather. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, put a tremendous amount of effort in this, a lot of testing, a lot of interesting ideas, a lot of design choices. And what, what really stood out to me, and, and I'll have a link to his document here, is he's got a breakdown of uh, all the, you know, like uh, of the, gambits these are how many are push and these are how many aggro or you know like he, he has these kind of um diagrams where you can uh i i'm sure there's a, a fancy name for him, but you you can you know you can see he's got all these ways of visualizing you know movement and offense and accuracy and damage and all this sort of thing and it's it's a really intriguing um design project even if you don't intend to use this the overhaul rules it, it is uh, it is worth your time just to read through them. Um, uh, it's it's uh, entertainment just in doing that much. Uh, but seeing seeing something that somebody's put so much time and effort into is is uh, really a pretty fun experience, right there. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just just respect on the the love for the warband since you know first season and just all this time to be like, how could we bring them? up to the modern sort of design standard is yeah something uh, I don't think anybody else has done. So yeah, <laughs> props. Uh, another, and I, I think this is almost hand in hand because uh, Wathlab has uh, officially taken the reins from Shuby as far as uh, guiding the Vassal community. So that means the, the updates for the mods and uh, for uh, managing the Vassal discord. And that's because Shuby has, uh, he's stepping down he's retiring uh from the vassal and from the game and i think we just want to take a second to to thank him for everything he's done for the community during the um dark hours of the of the pandemic uh that was kind of a lifeline for some of the most passionate players of the game to uh keep their enthusiasm up for it and so when we came out the other side of lockdown uh there was still a core group of players that were uh, really enthused and engaged and able to able to kind of pick up the the fallen standards and and uh start rallying in-person communities again and um you know you talk about uh 
the effect of one person, uh, Shuby's efforts kind of had this, I don't know, butterfly effect. There's, there's people who don't know that they are playing the game because of what Shuby did, but, but those people exist out there, you know? Yeah. Um, there's, there's communities that, that uh, are entirely local with no element online, but where some member of that community remained enthused or, or got fired up through that. And so I uh, just wanted to say thanks to him for, or for all the work he did over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, not just in our community in, in, but I think especially because this community didn't have any sort of official like online support until later on with the, steam game version of the game which is just a considerably different animal and just being able to dedicate the time and energy and you know love for the game uh, is something that happens i feel like in a lot of sort of uh fan bases but it, it doesn't always go recognized despite the fact that people are putting in all the hours and unpaid work to keep these uh communities afloat and it's uh it is definitely something that should be recognized and is uh, a, a commendable thing to have done for however many years it has been at this point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that being said, uh, I think, I think we're ready to just kind of jump right into the main topic here, the stab lads. Uh, what say you Phil? Yeah. Uh, they're, they're scheming and there's a lot of interesting stuff that we have to talk about for them. So let's, let's just get right to it. Yeah, I think the only caveat I want to say is that uh, before we dive in, the this is this is uh, the warband. If you know, I think back through the many warbands we've we've covered on this podcast, and I think I think this one may have been the most contentious uh, <laughs> uh, debating among um, among the members of the podcast about um, how good they were. Yeah, um, and uh, we'll get into some of the reasons why on that uh, actually pretty quickly here when we we talk about the plot card. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of the nature of, of, uh, play testing this stuff, um, or not, not play, play testing is inaccurate. Uh, I would say the, the nature of, of those first few games is you're trying to figure it out. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that makes for some interesting discussion here. So we'll, we'll see, but, Absolutely. uh, talking about that, let's talk about that. These, these guys, these guys come with a plot card, uh, and that is their schemes. Do you want to lay that out for us, Phil? Yeah, sure. So I, there's a part of me that just wants to read the card, mm -hmm. but I think the card is worded in such a way to almost make it confusing um, because it's like written so that it's very clear in how Underworld's rules work, but it like reads very awkwardly. So I tried to have a synopsis here that I think is a little easier to understand. Um, so, so the Warband has a series of uh, gambits that are called schemes. They're all keyworded. And these are uh, cards you can only play uh, in your power step mm -hmm. and you play them face down. Mm -hmm. When they are face down, they count as not being in play. They're not persisting. They're not in your hand. They are just wherever this zone, <laughs> you, whatever you want to call it, they are on the table and they have no effect on the game. They are nowhere. Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of your next turn, so you have to wait between the end of your power step and then your opponent's turn and then the start of your next turn. You get to flip these cards over. Mm -hmm. When that happens, they do whatever they say on the card. And 
they then also have a condition. This condition, once met, will then take the plot card and put it underneath your, uh, or take the, <laughs> the ploy and put it underneath the plot card. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once that happens, you lose the card. Um, because there is a there's a secondary mechanic for these things where if they're persisting, you can then pick them back up at the uh, end of your power step. Um, and that way you can play them again because all of their effects only last for the one turn, despite the fact that they are persisting ploys, which is a little weird. Yeah. Um, so there's sort of this give and take. Uh, y- you you want these things to be in effect so that you can score them because your some of your objectives are tied to them. But you also want the actual effect from the power cards because, of course, we want our power cards to actually do a thing. So you're you're sort of constantly wanting to, like, cycle through these things. And mm-hmm. so in some cases, you're like, man, I hope I almost don't meet the condition because if I do, then I lose the card forever. And so you're, there's this constant push and pull, which is really cool from a design standpoint. But once we get to talking about the cards, we'll see that there are some drawbacks to these and uh there's going to be a lot of i think a lot of very finesse play in figuring out how to use these things to their fullest effect yeah i think some finesse playing with some of them some really hoping the dice land the way you need them to land um uh yes absolutely yeah uh so i think it's important before we get further into it to uh just mention there of of the um of the cards that kind of revolve around this whole plot card here there are six schemes so that means there's six gambits that are these schemes that interact that that follow the uh, sequencing of this there there are i believe two upgrades that interact with this in some way one that kind of scores off it one that um one that has additional effect if um if you have something persisting and then i think there are three up uh three objectives that uh, score off this in one way or the other um uh, yeah. one one uh, surge and then two end phases. Uh, and so you're talking three, four, five, 11. You're talking about a third of the deck interacts with the with this mechanic in one yeah. way or the other, uh, specifically in the way that this mechanic works. Yeah. And no one would fault you for forgetting that there's a third upgrade that interacts with these things. And we'll, oh. <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get oh, there. Right. But, yeah. but there is a third one. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. But right. it's actually okay to just forget about it because <laughs> you'll never play with it. Um, the let's see and the other thing i I think um before we get into i I think if i were to generalize these schemes i would say the six of them are if if they didn't have this interaction if they didn't have a way to score or recycle them or whatever like all the things that this plot card provides i think any one of them you'd grade at like a a c tier plot like i think that's true i think most of these are very generic like buffs they're right they're not bad but they're also not good yeah and you're just kind of like yeah i guess i mean so like one of them is plus one dice to the next attack like Uh, specifically range one and two so it's uh, oh yeah 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 yeah. specifically i mean all all their fighters are range one and two so sure unless you have weapons it doesn't matter anyway but yes they put those restrictions on the cards for whatever reason yeah uh so yeah, um, I think that sets the stage pretty well. I don't want to like 
get yep. too far out ahead of ourselves. So. No, I think that makes sense. Um, maybe, uh, maybe a good next step would be to talk fighters. Uh, I think it would. And I think there's probably no better place to start with a war band than with their leader. Um, so the leader for this war band is Dagok Finkstila. So he's stealing thoughts, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that works, but so he, <laughs> I don't think he is either. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't think he is either. <laughs> um, so this is, this is about as average, I think as a fighter block kind of comes for a leader. And I'm just now realizing that he is a hunter. Uh, I, I honest to God completely missed that. I've read through the deck about 10 times and I, I just, just now seeing that for the first time. <laughs> I, um, I think there's very few interactions, right? Yeah. Now. Almost yeah. nothing that cares about Hunter anymore. Yeah. Uh, so he's moved three, one block, four wounds. He has a range two, two smash, two damage attack. And then he has this weird extra attack action, which is range two, one fury, mm. one damage. Mm-hmm. And this has a reaction that is called Cruel Cunning, and it says, after another friendly attack action, Jin targeting an enemy fighter adjacent to that fighter, this attack action cannot be modified, because of course not. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think, Davey? Uh, so I would say that Cruel Skewer, I was, I was, it was one of the things I was more excited to try, and one of the things I was more disappointed with um, to to actually see in action uh specifically because like there's there's a pretty tight positioning requirement on that he is range two but means that the target has to be two away and you have to somebody move have somebody move adjacent to that fighter um and that may not be where you want to have that fighter go and yeah. your payoff is uh as low of damage and as low of accuracy as you can get in the game um it has some of the things you should keep in mind, you know, so it can't be modified, but if, uh, if anyone's played with or against Ripa's, you know, that, uh, supports don't count as modifying rerolls don't count as modifying cleave and ensnare don't count as modifying. Um, but this yep. is, this is less accurate than a wolf bite, which starts at one smash and goes to two fury. Yeah. And his inspire is, I, I found that actually to be quite difficult to pull off. Uh, uh Yeah. So his, his inspire condition is that he has to deal damage to a second or subsequent fighter in the same phase. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd think in theory, this should be a reasonable thing to do. Um, but in practice, it's not because the chances of hitting the skewer are less than 50, 50. Um, yeah, much less. Uh, so you're looking at like, because every time he makes the skewer attack, it's going to be supported. So it's effectively one smash after the, like, yep, once that happens. Point. Point. But one dice into defense dice tends to mean that, like, ideal circumstances, this is getting close to 50-50 if you're attacking a one dodge fighter. And if you're attacking one block or anything more, you're at, like, 40% or less. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I in pl- So I've played three games with these guys. And I found that more often than not, I was hoping to use the skewer not to deal damage, but just to get extra attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's exactly right. They, they have, we'll see. There's a number of uh, yeah. 
number of actions. And I actually tried pairing him into with breakneck slaughter, which leaned into that even more. So, yeah. Um, and yeah. for that reason, I mean, for that effect, they were decent, you know, it's nice to just throw the extra one, but I think I only hit it with it once. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically can't count on it for damage, but you can use it to trigger other things, which is not always bad, but like, where does that leave you? Um, yeah. So, like I said, I think my feeling about Dagok is that he's just very average. Yeah. Um, he's not bad. Like, there's nothing wrong with this fighter. It's just like, ooh, you would have kind of hoped that the leader of a warband would maybe have something a little spicier to play with. How about his inspired yeah. side? Uh, if you manage it, do you do you actually, like, does he turn into a monster? So I, I can only tell you what it says uh, because I can flip the card over. I never, I've never inspired <laughs> him. Um, he, he gets plus one move, plus one wound, an extra dice on his boss sticker, the, the main attack. And then uh, the Cruel Cunning goes from uh, hitting on one Fury to hitting on one Smash. And, and like you pointed out, it will always be supported unless there's something weird like Protective Brand going on um, on, the, on the target. Oh, yeah. Um, but... Uh, um, that is a fair number of different increases to get. Um, I, I you're going to be getting them pretty late, so I think the most relevant ones there is the extra wound and the the extra dice on the boss sticker. Um, it's too bad he doesn't get to grievous like his counterpart in the cunning crew. Um, but uh, can't have yeah. everything. So no, you can't have everything. Um, I. I don't know. Yeah. In my three games, I never inspired him either. And I actually made a whole bunch of cruel skewer attacks. Um, it ultimately, I think the thing that really sunk him is that it had to be the second or subsequent fighter. Like it's not even just two separate instances of damage in the same round. Right, it had to right. be two separate fighters as well. And so there were times where one fighter would come in and I'd like surround him with all my guys and I could just keep beating on him. And it's like, this is great. But yeah. it's never going to inspire Finkstila. And I don't yeah. really want to charge with him because he's range two. So it's like sort of a weird uh, interaction. I, um, yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, this may be a matchup dependent inspire where you'll have a better chance at inspiring into uh, things that more closely approximate hordes, you know. Um, against yeah. elites, you should be focusing damage to try and take fighters off the board. Uh, but if you could, I don't know, go all the way back to gets where you maybe stab one skink, uh, squig and then stab another squig and then you've got it or something like that. Um, yeah, in theory, you could yeah. you could make that happen probably. I um, yeah, but it's got to be like hordes that come to you, you know, yeah, to, to inspire early. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it, it could happen later uh, round two if you are in the midst of the enemy and kind of stabbing in all directions or something like that. But yeah, challenging, more challenging than it looks at first glance. Yes. Yes. Very. I think that is the, the appropriate takeaway is that it's, yep. it's just, it's harder than it looks and that's fine, but it's, it's just kind of like a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another fighter and, and kind of goes along with this whole like supporting plan is Herc. The mm-hmm. Howler. Mm-hmm. So, so what's what's his deal? Uh, Herc the Howler also moved three, one block, four wounds, and that that is the strength of this war man. Is how many of them have four wounds? He's got uh, just a run of the mill attack, sure hacka, range one, two smash, two damage. 
uh, he inspires if he is supporting a successful attack action. Uh, and then the big part of his card is the roar of Kragnos. After his activation, if he did not make a super action, give him one roar counter. While the fighter has one or more roar counters, the fighter supports friendly fighters within two hexes and clear those at the end of the phase. Now notice that that is on offense and defense. Yeah. Um, I think a good way to think of this is it's like the pre-errata Velmorn ability, except that uh, Herc can't make a super action and still do it. Um which yeah. is frustratingly limited. Um, it also has like a unfortunate counter synergy where if, yeah, uh, because of its window, if all he's going to do is make a move, he can't even like walk up next to somebody, trigger it to get the roar counter and then let the boss uh, use the cruel skewer because both those reactions are occupying. If all he does is make a move, <sighs> yeah, they the, the same window. Um, so that is that is disappointing um and then the the getting supports on defense is cool except you are mostly on one dice with these guys uh i mean you are on one dice unless you have some other trick in play uh and uh that's that's not a real dramatic thing that is a fairly large bubble um but yeah if you think of this as like velmorn but harder to pull off in a smaller radius than you've kind of got the idea. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's an important piece though, cause they have a number of, uh, objectives that's, that want, uh, things to be supported or th- there's some interactions that, that, uh, build on supports. Um, so, yeah. Um, so my experience with him playing was that, you needed either like a push so that you could just take a free chop at somebody and then get it kind of for free. Or if you could give him a ranged attack so that he could more easily turn it on because he can like sit back from range three or something. Yeah. But it's still kind of a modest bonus anyway. Yeah. Um, I actually found, and, and some of this was the matchups that we were playing, but I found in a lot of the games, I kind of was able to sit most of the warband sort of in the midline. Yeah. And because there are a number of range two fighters and stuff that I was like, well, I can kind of just manipulate this to have supports without the horn. Mm. And then it was like, well, now the horn's not even worthwhile because I've already <laughs> got one or two supports. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's an odd thing. I I'm not entirely sure from a playtesting standpoint, like what it was that they thought this needed to be so hard to turn on. Yeah. Um, I, after playing with them, almost wondered if like, could this have just always been in effect and still have been fine? Um, I think there was a part of me that thought this doesn't feel like it would have been a problem. Even if he just always said he's always supporting friendly fighters within two hexes. Um, But that's not how it is. So we, yeah. I guess don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Um, uh, so that reaction does not change at all on inspire. Uh, yep. just be, stays the same. Um, and, uh, he gains one speed and he gains one dice on his attack action. So he ends up with a fairly yeah. accurate Insp- attack action, but yeah. And he's actually pretty easy to inspire. I thought, yeah. um, so getting to three smash two damage after the inspire, like that is by itself pretty decent. Yeah. Um, I do. I agree that uh, if you can get him, if you can find a way to get him positioned uh, so that he can make this reaction 
without, you know, like, so he doesn't, isn't needing to charge. So be that by giving him like a, a spear or a range, a range three attack or using a, a movement trick to get him in. Um, that's cool. That the warband doesn't really have any inbuilt stuff that wants him to be on objectives. Otherwise, like a, a really nice move might be to just walk him onto an objective and toot the horn as like yeah. a neutral opening thing. So if you can build a deck that leans into those things, then uh, then maybe you've got something going. Um, but uh, I tried to run a lot of it through him, and some of that was because I was playing against Brian, who was uh, going kind of controlly with uh, Thricefold, and mm-hmm. it meant that I had to come after him. And so I had a lot with the low speed. I had a lot of wasted activations and energy early on, uh, moving right. forward. And then they could try and come and sit, you know, slice him out of the of the mix. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty rough. Yep. Um, I think I think what you mentioned about like how you sort of build around this warband is really important. I played both rivals and nemesis with them, and they felt totally different in nemesis. Mm. Um, rivals, it was pretty rough i'm not gonna sugarcoat that (laughs) (laughs) um but uh i guess we spent a decent amount of time here on herc let's talk jags Deblita. yeah uh this this guy's kind of a wild model he's got a lot of knives (laughs) um (laughs) but uh he is i guess if you can say that a four fighter four wound her model warband can have a dangle bro this this guy's the one mm-hmm. um he's three move one block four wounds he has a range one three fury one damage attack that has grievous one um so that's not great his inspire is pretty straightforward though um an enemy fighter with one or more wound counters is dealt damage that takes them out of action yep so i found in most of the games that I played that I just happened to inspire him accidentally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that this can happen like anywhere. Yeah. And yeah. It doesn't even have to be an attack. It could be somebody who's damaged and killed by a ping. It could be somebody who's killed by two pings, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be your warband that deals the damage. So like if your opponent for some reason, like <laughs> runs one of their fighters into a lethal or something, yep. uh, you could still get the inspire. So, uh, very straightforward fighter. Um, he knows what he wants to do, and that's he's he's good at it, I guess. Um, and when he inspires, he picks up one move, and his damage becomes a flat two with no grievous. Yeah, uh, I think the only other thing worth mentioning on this guy is that uh, he stands to gain the most accuracy from supports in this warband. He uh, does adding a support to a three fury attack is is a pretty decent deal. But yeah, otherwise. Yeah pretty pretty run of the mill there yeah um just as a quick like strategy note that we found when i was playing against skylar uh because that inspire kind of happens incidentally he worked out as a decent fighter to leave a little further away Mm. because once he inspires then he can make a further charge oh that's a good call yeah um and since you don't really want to use him on his uninspired side if you don't have to it was like a, a nice easy thing to save till last sure um but that's that's jags pretty straightforward uh how about this wicked looking guy with this weirdo flail thing grack the hook uh grack the hook for me has some of the most potential in this warband so he oh, yeah. uh he's not a hunter he's a brawler um but important for 
to know about this guy is he, he does have range two. Um, we'll get to that attack action again in a second, but he starts with uh, move four. So he has the longest threat range of anybody. Yep. Uh, so you can decide, are you going to push him forward to try and dive somebody to the back? Probably not a great idea because he's not very accurate uh, or have him further back in your lines. And then he can come and hopefully take advantage of some supports uh, to lay a hit in. Uh, that attack action, uh, so he's move four, one dodge. Uh, the only guy who's not wearing enough armor to count on block, four wounds. Bite <laughs> uh, of Flail is uh, range two, two fury, two damage. Um, not great if you assume that you're going to try and get some sort of support. It feels a little better. Uh, and then it has this snag reaction. And the snag is use this during this fighter's attack action after the out of action check. Push the target one hex, and then the combat sequence ends. Uh, so this is an important window to understand. You only get to the out of action check if you have caused damage. Um, yep. So this is this is a reaction that will only occur if you've caused damage, uh, and it occurs essentially. You can think of it as occurring in place of drive back, uh, because the drive back happens after the uh, in between. Basically, this reaction happens in between the out of action check and the drive back, and then this reaction ends the sequence. So. Um, you can't drive somebody back and then pull them back towards your whatever weird thing you're thinking of doing with this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So think think of it as like a more limited uh, Hadzu or um, uh, the Soul Raid fella, Elethane's. Oh yeah, uh, Tanao, yeah. um, the spear thrower yeah, thing, where where those guys kind of push people around, but they can do it on a tie, um, and so they they have a little bit of extra uh, yeah flexibility in there. Um, uh, and I'll just cover quick on the backside of him. He, he goes, uh, his flail will go to two smash. Uh, he picks up a scything attack, uh, range one, two fury, two damage. That's pretty nice. Not crazy, but, um, yeah, and, it's pretty standard for scything. I feel like. Yep. And then that snag reaction goes to two hexes, uh, push, which is, that's that actually is pretty spicy. Big. Yeah. So, uh, if you can keep them live that long, uh, then you can do some pretty cool stuff with them, really drag somebody around. That's, that's got a lot of potential. Uh, but again, you do have to cause damage. So against, uh, smaller war bands. Oh yeah. I should say that that is actually how he inspires if he makes that snag reaction. Um, so it it can be, it's not as hard as the bosses, but it it can be tough because if you are fighting somebody with two wounds, you're just going to kill them. You won't make the reaction. Or if you miss, you're not making the reaction. So uh, sometimes he will fly in, get that, uh, get that two fury, uh, land it. And then, uh, and then he'll inspire. And now you're really happy. And sometimes he'll be chasing it for a while. Yeah. Um, Playing with him, uh, I found and, it, it generally wasn't too hard to get him inspired as long as you could get supports. Yeah. If he ever had to just swing to fury. It was like, well, this is just nothing. I'm, I'm just yeah. throwing this attack for no reason. Um, so I think it's, it's clear that you're not just sending him in first. I, I don't think that's ever going to be the right choice, but mm-hmm. if you can sort of use him as your like, control piece where you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, bring him in later and then he's going to start moving guys around to set up future attacks and stuff. I think that's the intent. Um, I think a key to that is once he's inspired, it it is a push the target up to two hexes, but it is not a drive back. So you can like push them in multiple directions. Yeah. Um, very, 
very yeah, you can wrap uh, them corner, stuff yeah. you can do yeah. when you can push people too. So, yeah. uh, I in my experience, I had a little trouble doing it again, playing into Brian's uh force yeah. no, it wasn't force of frost but it was uh it was a thrice fold so there was two dodge and two block and helm of insight was dropping out on on people and it was it was uh it was tough times um the defensive profiles uh got up there pretty quick made it yeah yeah i can see that being a pretty significant problem um yeah, yeah you you yeah there's <laughs> there's some stats that you have to work around with this warband for sure yeah um, so that's, that's the fighters. Uh, mm-hmm. they've got a lot of tricks, but they got a lot of weird stats to go along with them. So I don't, I don't quite. Yeah. Uh, they're a puzzle, which I enjoy, but also I, I don't know where that is going to leave them in the yeah. end, uh, how they'll, they'll fare in the world of underworlds at the moment. But, yeah. uh, I am thoroughly hooked at this point. I want to keep tinkering so you might you might say you're snagged huh yeah a little yeah. bit a little bit um yeah so i i think we're going to jump into cards here i i'll say on first pass i i think a fundamental thing to understand is the timing you know as you read through again about a third of this deck is interacting with those schemes uh the timing of those is is weirder than you think but it wasn't as bad as i thought it was um because because you need to understand what persist means. Um, so if there's a game that comes down and says, uh, you know, in your, the next time X event happens, get this. So, you know, uh, in your next activation, plus one dice. If that's all the card says, it will do that, but it will not stay, uh, it will not apply across the end of a round, right? So yep. if I play determined effort in the very last power step in the hopes that I, you know, go first, uh, that that effect will evaporate. Um, <clears throat> the the cards, if you have a uh, if you have a uh, card that persists, uh, then it can last over the end of the end phase. So uh, these guys, if they're having a card persist that long, it's going to no longer have its effect. But there are other reasons that you might want to do it. Um, you know, you may want to. Uh, let them go into the next round so you can pick them back up and keep using them next turn. You may want them to go into the next round so you can make sure, you know, that you score them um, uh, or you, you know, not score them, but uh, complete that uh, scheme uh, or we'll see an upgrade that will like, that you like to have persist. You can have them face down uh, so that when, you know, if you, if you put it face down, it's kind of in limbo and then you can reveal yeah. if you have, activation then you can be that rare player that gets to have uh gambit support in your very first activation of the round uh so like i said we brian and i kind of misplayed that that was a that was an effect that our our crew was incredibly busy so i i I think at that point i was the only one who'd read the cards and i I made this misreading and there wasn't there wasn't any backstop for me um you know so uh brian you know understand was like yeah that's that sounds like that's how it works. And so we played it like that. So I, I kind of played what I think was maybe a challenging warband on hard mode and it left <laughs> pretty uh, sour on him. I, when you guys kind of uh, figured out that I'd made this uh, incorrect assessment on how it worked, I, I got excited about him again, where I was like, okay, that actually, actually has some more play. And, and uh, I'm going to try and uh, make sure I, I take that into account as we cover these. But, yeah. Um, so the, there's like two things that 
sort of clicked in my head as being like, oh, there's some neat tricks with this. The one you already mentioned is where if you went last in a round, you can place one face down and then hope that you win the roll off so that you have it on your first activation then. So you get sort of the the double play and you get to have the support on that first uh, activation, which is very rare. I, yeah. I don't think there's anything else in the game that does that. Yeah. Um, and then the other one is that if you have schemes in your hand and you're going into the last activation um, and you're like, I need to see more power cards. You can yeah. just put them down and then they're not in your hand. So you draw back up to full hand size. Yeah. So then it effectively gives you a way to have extra power cards in your hand when you go into the next round, which um, I found that to actually be really useful, um, especially if I then pick them up. So I was like, hey, I now have seven power cards in hand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So some some interesting stuff, uh, but I, I think it's going to take a while to sort of come to grips with the full like ramifications of being able to do that with power cards. Yeah. Uh, as we get into the cards, what is your preference? Do we want to cover these schemes first or do we want to just, we've kind of explained how they work. Mm. Um, <clears throat> do we uh, lay that out? Do we yeah. want to just kind of march through our usual format? Maybe just for these guys, maybe we should just read through all the schemes so that people kind of have a, a reference point of when it says like something happens with the scheme that they know like what, what are they that they potentially are working with now? Sure. Of course, this is reading through six of their gambits. <laughs> so maybe we just try and go through them quickly, but um, I think yeah. it, it gives a better reference point. Um, but I think it's helpful. I think if you don't understand them, it makes it very hard to evaluate the warband. I think that's a good call. Uh, so we'll uh, jump into them. I think uh, the pair that kind of stand out immediately are Gutterman take that head. Yeah. Uh, uh, take that head is when this card is turned face up, choose an enemy fighter in the turn in which this card is turned face up plus one dice to friendly fighters attack action to target the chosen fighter. Uh, that the, the number of these are significant because they say in the turn when it's turned face up, which means that it's effect applies all the way through that activation and the power step. Yep. Um, in this one, there's not a lot of ways for that to matter in in faction because the cruel skewer can't be modified. Uh, if yeah. You somehow to other reaction attacks, but if you were, I don't know, like pairing these guys with uh, void curse thralls, then void cursed assault, if played in that power step, would be a three smash attack. Yeah, um, which is kind of nifty. Um, the uh, the Guttum is in the turn in which this card is turned face up. Friendly fighters range one and range two attack actions have grievous one. Uh, and that is attack actions plural. So you would be grievous for your whole scything, uh, for instance. Yep. Um, and then the condition is on Guttum. Uh, the, the grievous one is a friendly fighters range one or two attack action takes an enemy fighter out of action. And on take that head, the chosen enemy fighter is taken out of action. So, both those there's one that's a uh, extra damage is one that is you know dice dependent extra i mean one that's extra dice and one that's dice dependent extra damage and they both will go away uh if the right model is killed um for take that head or for if any model is killed with a range one or two yeah um so they're ones that you you know you they are tempting to kind of recycle multiple times i i think especially the 
you can get that plus one dice. Like, hey, let's just start making some headway into this. Um, yep. So let's make Grack three Fury to make give him a better chance of inspiring and getting that off, and then we'll pick it back up, and somebody else will have an extra dice. Uh, and on the other one, hey, got him. Uh, let's try and spike that grievous damage. Uh, we missed it. All right, let's pick it up and try again later. Um, and then if you need to, you can lay him, uh, leave him out if you are really wanting to score them um, and to have that condition go. But these these feel like uh, very recyclable ones, either because you may not hit that grievous or because you want to trigger it multiple times. Absolutely agreed. Um, these were the ones that I was reusing or wanting to reuse the most. Um, I, I actually had a number of situations where I had take that head, get tucked away when I didn't want it to, <laughs> I was like, Oh, cool. I hit. And they like, I would, I'd be setting up these weird situations where I was in range of two different fighters, mm-hmm. uh, with the boss, mm-hmm. uh, Dagok. And then I would charge somebody else into the position where they're adjacent to both of them. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, I'll just take this poke at one of them just because like maybe the other one is at full health in the, the one I'm poking at could maybe get killed if I hit them with this spear. It's not likely, but I'll just try it because why not? Yep. And then it would happen. And I'd be like, Oh sweet. And then I would lose my plus one dice. <laughs> Cause you took somebody because out. I, because yeah. I took somebody out of action. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, that was a waste. Yeah. Uh, so some weird timing stuff that can happen there. It's a little unfortunate. Um, but it was just like, well, that'll happen. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely. I think they're the two best uh, of the schemes. Like, sure, they're the effects you really want, and they're going to be the thing that keeps the warband kind of clicking. Um, I do wish the grievous was just plus one damage, but eh, yeah, it's it's what it is. I maybe it was too strong. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, what about another scheme to lay out for folks? Yeah. So I guess maybe kind of just go along with the standard just plus stats there's a plus one move one it's called rushum uh this one is strangely worded in the sense that it's in the turn in which this card is turned face up plus one move to friendly fighters so if you make a whole bunch of moves somehow you could have plus one move to all of those moves but i think only void curse thralls gets to do that (laughs) um Uh, you you would go ahead that's that's a pretty nice scenario to be in, but like, sure, it. I don't know how important it is. Yeah, uh, I mean, it it can be, especially with that move three. You know, like if you manage to get refashion reactions or priorities uh, out, the difference between move three and move four can be pretty tremendous as far as expanding yeah. the number of landing spaces. Um, and you know, they can help you set up supports with this warband. Maybe looking for for accuracy. It's true. So it's true. Uh, um. The condition on this I found actually a little tougher uh, on because there, I missed one of the, one of the uh, requirements on the first time through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, so the friendly fighters move action ends five or more hexes from where it started, which is already tough, and they have to end adjacent to one or more enemy fighters. Mm. So this is tricky for a couple of reasons. One. Uh, unless your fighters are inspired, none of them can get up to five move inherently, except for your, uh, uh, crack. Yeah. 
Um, and so, I mean, he is on the card art, so maybe it's like a hint that this is what you're supposed to be doing, but I don't know that you really want to just rush Drac over to be adjacent to somebody and risk the crack back on one dodge. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, that's weird. Um, and then that end five from where you started when you're trying to set up all these supports can actually mean that like, there's not even a spot you could possibly end that's five hexes away that would be valuable. Yeah. Which makes it uh, really weird. And I almost I almost wonder then if the intent is for this to be a scheme that you don't easily complete so that you have one that can just kind of hang out. Mm. But in the same sense, then it's kind of wasted space in the deck. Yeah. in that sense so it's it's this weird push and pull and i don't quite get it yeah it is i mean i i think i'll seeing a lot of these like the the plus one dice with the idea that you can play it several times and the plus one move with the idea that you can play it several times i think that goes some of the way towards explaining why their stat lines are uh kind of underwhelming i think there's some assumption that they're going to be having this constant uh, mini boost uh where hopefully when you need it with these different schemes, but if you don't have the right scheme in hand, then uh, maybe you're in trouble. Yeah. Um, and I will say at least, I mean, three games is an extremely small sample size, but yeah. I will say even with plus one dice, it didn't feel like, Oh man, all of a sudden I'm super powerful. Mm-hmm. It was like, Hey, I'm back to slightly above average. Yeah. Which, uh, it's fine. Yeah. But again, it's like, well, what, I don't know. And some of this is like calibration, right? It's like when you look at the the scape in which we're playing, it's like, whoa, I'm trying to compete against who now? Like Domitans and Ephilim yeah. and Hexbanes. And it's like, how is how am I supposed to compete? But then when you think about it, it's like, well, what if I'm facing Plague Pack? What if I'm facing uh, Sirenized Razors? Like all of a sudden it feels a lot better more reasonable to not have all these crazy stats because mm. you should be much like it, it feels like the war bands would be much closer together and mm. and skylar and i played uh sepulchral guard and velmorns as the matchups for them and they felt very evenly matched in those games so i do kind of wonder if it's like just trying to remember that like there's actually a couple war bands in the current <laughs> meta that are just skewed outside of like where they probably should be. And that, that doesn't mean these guys are bad. It means that they're like us, they're in sort of that median where they everybody should be. And there's some outliers. Sure. Um, let's cover these other schemes real quick and then we'll get back yeah. into the, the swing of things. Yeah. So I think there's, there's one more good one, and then there's a couple that are like situationally valuable. So uh, I think Scarum is the other good one. Uh, I don't know what you think. Uh, I think that this continues the theme of being uh, being like be, because of its repeatability. It is then um, it is a little like harder to trigger or whatever. Um, but I, I think this this one goes off. Uh, and it has a lot of cool things that you can do with it. I, I like this one a fair amount. Yeah, so this one is in the turn in which is turn face up because that's what they all do. Each time your warband pushes an enemy fighter, you can push that fighter one additional hex. Yeah. Uh, and then the condition is you push an enemy fighter two or more hexes. Mm-hmm. So 
I think the, the common case here will be on a drive back. That's two hexes. You can score this and, or it's just, it, it just gives you that option to say, you know, I sort of kind of have knockback now, mm. um, which is fine. There's yeah. like nothing crazy about that. The, I think the, the really cool thing that you can do, which is not readily available uh, in a lot of the nemesis decks, but if you find a distraction effect, uh, you get an extra push on that. If you sure. do it in this power step. Yep. And that's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, turning up a, a push an enemy fighter one hex into a push an enemy fighter two hexes is a massive difference yeah um, um it is a good way to make the snag reaction even scarier so yeah that too um an uninspired <laughs> uh an inspired uh snag will be able to drag somebody quite a bit forward into the waiting arms of your other guys i was able to kind of have a fighter turn the corner so um i wasn't able to get quite where i wanted but then i uh hit i think it was vex more in the side pushed him one to the side and then pulled him one forward with this so also yeah. sitting right in the right in the mix of all my fighters and so then i was going to be able to just wail away on him um still took a very long time to kill him because he kept reducing my damage so i yeah hit him for uh, one damage over and over again but uh pretty pretty rough but yeah yeah but, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what happens um but yeah so a, a lot of cool things with this it's just that uh in faction it probably means that you're having to successfully hit somebody to trigger this one yeah um which one do you want to do next uh let's go with herc there's one that's specific to herc uh so this is the bust their ears uh, in the turn in which this card is turned face up, friendly fighters supported by Herc are considered to have one additional supporting fighter. Um, because Herc supports offensively and defensively, this technically gives defensive supports, but because of the way you have to turn these face up in your turn, uh, unless yeah. it's like a reaction attack that they're making, this is pretty much an offensive um, offensive help. <clears throat> um, there's some really good best use case scenarios here where Herc's managed to toot his horn and is now uh it, like helping out a uh scything attack action from uh grack or something now grack is double supports for his whole scything or something like that um which is which is tough to get um uh, and this helps with an objective down the line uh where you're wanting a double support um but uh but obviously this needs herc to be alive and herc to have either uh, gotten the roar counter or to be in a good spot to support. Um, yeah, the, the condition, the condition is not dice dependent. So if you can get positioned, this is an easy one to bury under your card if you, if you want. So, um, it's, uh, and it is restricted to Herc. So you can actually salvage it if Herc has died, which, um, is important. Yeah. That was the only thing I got to do with this one. <laughs> I actually <laughs> used it a couple. It was, it was, uh, somehow it was my most effective one because I, I drew it early both games uh and and managed to get like a, a good accuracy boost off of it nice yeah i can see this one being situationally very nice and then other times they're just kind of like oh that's whatever yeah um but i mean like you said if he's if he's gone then replaces itself yep so. Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing. I mean, man, I love the salvage rule so much. <laughs> <laughs> like this card pre-salvage, you probably just never even consider putting in the deck, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
but that that just leaves us with the last one and this is maybe the the weirdest one um might situationally might be my favorite but it's probably the least impactful most of the time um it's called outfinkum um and the art is kind of cool but uh you you can't see the art so we'll (laughs) leave that for later but you you can if you go to our blog where we can and you should uh so in the turn in which this card is turned face up, when an opponent plays a power card, draw two power cards. Mm. Um, the condition is you draw your second or subsequent card since the card was turned face up, other than using a player action. So like you can't just sit there and draw a power card. Right. Um, so most of the time, what this is going to mean when you turn this face up is that your opponent will look at that look at your power hand and say, I will not be playing any power cards this turn. (laughs) That's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. And that's what happened to me all but one time. However, uh, the fact that this is recyclable Mm -hmm. means that you do have the opportunity for potentially two turns in a round where you're basically daring your opponent to play power cards. Right. And if they just say no and they take two turns off from playing power cards, that's actually really impactful by itself. Yeah. And these these are power steps that will be leading into their next activation. That's often when yeah. people are playing like, hey, I'm going to play some pushes or a damage boost or an accuracy boost yeah. uh, to, to get in there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I know that uh, Skyler was saying that it, it really kind of messed with him a couple times. I felt like when I played against Brian, he didn't care at all. He was like, ah. Uh, that's fine. And some of that had to do with like play style. Like he was, he was a sit back uh, and control thrice fold. So he's like, that's fine. I'll just sit back for one more activation. Okay, yeah. Great. Um, and I found this condition really hard to meet. Um, they have a couple things that can help with it elsewhere. Um, but if your opponent is not doing this for you, um, uh, then you have to draw some card support elsewhere. Yeah. Um, and in, yeah, in some ways that's fine because it's almost like I want to keep using this to sort of do that thing of like, I'm going to dare you to play power cards because as soon as they do it, it'll just meet the condition immediately. So, mm. um, you know, if your opponent doesn't want you to just keep doing that to them, like if you have it in the first activation of the first turn or something and you're just showing them that like yeah. i'm gonna do this every other turn for the whole game until you give me two power cards they might just be like fine take your power cards <laughs> uh just be done with it yeah. um i so like i said i really like this one but i think it's it's gonna be weird to play with i think it's gonna take a lot of work to figure out how to use it best but i think there will be times where it is hugely important yeah um i i actually had a situation against skylar i mean I basically had him backed into a corner already. And so it was like, he had to play a power card because if he didn't, it was kind of just punting on the game. Mm. And so then he did, which drew me into the cunning trap, which is another one of their power cards. So then he charged with a fighter who was vulnerable and cunning traps a ping. So then I killed him on his charge. I can't believe that he was describing that scenario and it it was even jankier than I realized. Yeah, it was much jankier than he realized. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, he even asked me after it happened. He was like, were you just holding that the whole time? And it's like, no, (laughs) I drew into it off the thing. So uh, pretty wild, but uh, it's pretty fun to have that kind of control. Um, So that is the last scheme. Uh, 
that that is a lot of power cards so let's let's back it up let's now now that we've set the stage let's talk about some objectives um, yeah i'd like to start it off with the three objectives that interact those schemes i think that'd be appropriate here. i think it would and i think they are all uh important to understand for the warband so wherever yeah. you'd like to start uh, I'm going to start with the plan worked because this is the one uh, that changes the most based on my misunderstanding, I think. Um, <laughs> sure. This is a surge scores immediately after you put a second or subsequent scheme under your Warband's plot card in the same phase. Uh, and for me, thinking that I could not have them, uh, could not have these schemes persist across the end phase or be face down across the end phase, uh, I found it, I was like, well, it's really hard to have two schemes that you can hit the trigger on like it, there's just too many things that have to come together. But if you can put some face down so they show up later or just leave some, you know, like face up. So in, in the Rivals deck version, if you uh, are using out Finkum and you lay that down and just leave it face up because I'm like, I'm probably going to draw one of these other things that will let me draw two cards and then I'll just be able to bury that. Um, this uh, this actually gains quite a lot in my estimation. I, I'm I'm a lot warmer on it. Uh, but it's a search for one um, for for managed to work your schemes over, and there's not a ton your opponent can do to deny those unless they're really just avoiding engagement, which makes yeah. some of them pretty hard to trigger. Uh, so, so my my assessment after playing with it because I kept it in all the decks, even the Nemesis decks, because I was like, I need to just try out all of these cards that trigger off of the schemes because it feels so core to the warband. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I never was able to score this one. Mm, okay. um, there was a time where I had a cycling effect basically going between three schemes and I mm-hmm. still couldn't do it. Mm. I, I could get one to go in a round and then I couldn't get another one in the same round. Now, were you, so, were you picking everything up? Uh, and playing them again and again, or are you leaving them out to give them a so chance? I would like leave you? one out and I'd pick oh, up two. And so I was like, I had this constant rotation thing going because I wanted yeah. to like get some of the effects going again and leave one in place for the defensive upgrade. And I was like, oh, I've got this cool like sort of rhythm going now where it's the cycle. <laughs> yeah. And I still couldn't make it go. Okay. And so I was like, I think this card's a trap. Mm. I think it feels like it should score. Like at some point it should just happen. And I think the timing of when you'll be able to meet the conditions on these things is sometimes just so random and variable that you just, you don't have enough control over it to guarantee that you get two in the same phase. Yeah. Getting two at any point in the game, super easy Two in the same phase, much harder. Yeah. Um, And as a surge, it's something I would really be able to really like to be able to control perfectly to say if i have this in my hand it will score and that is not what this card does unfortunately at least in my three games of experience but i feel like that's enough of a sample size to start to say if you don't score a surge in three games it's probably a pretty bad surge. Right, probably got some issues uh well let's talk about the ones because you were you were more excited about hey if i've scored at all uh, yeah two of those uh you want to cover those yeah so so we have two that are kind of the same um so one is called fink Steela triumph and the other one is called legendary cunning so fink Steela triumph scores as long as you have any schemes underneath your plot card and that'll score for one but if you happen to have four when you score this you get two additional glory 
So if you happen to get this late in the game, it's a three glory score, and that's a pretty big deal. Um, and it has the nice modality where, like, if you have this in your opening hand, it's still pretty straightforward. Get mm-hmm. one thing to go under, and you get a glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's not really any way your opponent can stop it once you have one underneath. Like, no matter what, from there on out through the rest of the game, as long as you draw this, it will score. So I like that. Um, I, I like these uh, objectives that have modal scoring where it's like yeah, there's a harder condition, but it's a, a nice reward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really cool. The other one is just a, a just kind of like it's probably going to happen most games, but it's it's only for two glory. You don't go up to three. Uh, you have three or more schemes under your Warbands plot card. Um, I still like that one. I, I felt like across most of the games, by the time we get to the end of the game, I've got th- I've got three. Like I can almost always bank on three. Getting to four or five was pretty tough. Yeah. Um, so I do like a two glory end phase that at some point in the game is mm, uh, mostly guaranteed. It's not like completely guaranteed, but it's like as long as you're getting to do what you wanted to do with the deck, you should mm-hmm. score this. And that's kind of what you want in a two glory end phase, right? Yeah. I had myself in a situation where I think, uh, gosh, I think I was at a situation where I had, I had both the, the ones we talked about, uh, get that head and, uh, the grievous damage one, um, got them. Ooh, uh, yeah. And I needed them. I, the, the person I was trying to kill was Vexmore. This is this thing where it was like, if I can get Vexmore down, he's worth two glory for bounty. I get to bury both these schemes, which have, which are, are face up. Yeah, um, that will bring me up to four, which means Fink Steel will score for its full value instead of just one, and uh, I'll score Legendary Cunning. So it was like, and I think I maybe had a surge. Well, it was like a seven glory kill if I could pull it off, and, and just just missed it. Yeah, um, but. Uh, but I like, I, I like Finksteela being in there because that one is real solid, reliable, and like you said, like you're gonna get that one at some point, and then this is just a hey, I don't have to even think about this anymore, except if I'm starting to wonder like, okay, do I really need to up my glory ceiling in this particular game? Do I need to work harder to score some of these uh, to to uh, meet the conditions of some of these schemes? Um, so yeah. I think it's, some, I think it's some clever design. I think it was the most fun part I had with these guys was like the, like you said, the, the kind of balance between, um, do I leave these out to meet their conditions or do I, uh, do I pick them up to try and use them some more? Um, I thought that was a fun mini game that was just being played on my side of the board. You know, yeah. I was like, uh, I don't care what you're doing. I'm going to keep casting spells at you. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think it gives them a fairly reasonable like core of yeah. glory that they can score in the end phase. And I think that's important for most war bands to have. I agree with that. Yep. Um, so I, I, I like those two. I think they, they give you something to build off of. So, yeah. 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 Um, uh, so that's the three that care about schemes. Um, I don't know where, do you want to, yeah, let's bring the one you want to hit next. Sure. Um, let's bring it back to surges. Uh, I'll talk about a surge that's the type that we haven't seen very much of, uh, especially lately, and that is uh, Deceiving Destiny. 
so that is score immediately after an enemy fighter's attack action if it targeted a friendly leader and that leader is surviving so it could be a hit that damage but didn't kill or it could be a miss altogether uh, or if it had a dice characteristic of three or more and failed um, it's nice that it is modal so that even if Dagok goes down, you still have a chance to score this. Yep. Um, you especially like to be attacked by somebody who's three fury. It feels like even those, are, those are decently accurate. They, uh, they miss often enough that maybe it'll go. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it is not white hot. Great because once Dagok's down, it can be a little tough to score. They may not even be swinging with three dice. They might be just doing two smash stuff. Um, yeah. or they might be doing that thing where like, yeah, I'm, uh, three smash with a reroll supported or something like, well, this isn't going to miss, but, um, yeah. Uh, but there's few feelings better in this game than scoring a surge on your opponent's turn, um, drawing into something before your turn and being able to make a new plan going forward. So, especially when um, you get to crit defense to do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think they've got a couple other pretty nice surges that are, uh, less dice dependent than that one. Yeah, they do. They've, they've kind of it's kind of three but i i'll i'll probably just say really it's it, there's two that i think are really reliable and then a third one that is like you can kind of make it happen um so the the one that i think is probably best is deceptively brutal mm-hmm. um you score this immediately after your warband's fourth or successive attack action in the same phase um and this is where i was just trying to line up the skewer reaction just yeah. To make extra attacks yeah because there were times it was like oh just make two activations and now i've done four attacks yeah and I, was like, I, oh, cool. I definitely have that like okay well uh i have not accomplished anything on the table but i did score a glory <laughs> like I, yeah i threw a lot of dice that showed no successes but but here's some glory for me it, and i think that that is like one of the weird things with this warband where it's like you could almost think of them like some of the hold objective war bands that it's like, I'm going to be making attacks because why wouldn't I charge if I can end up in the position I want to be in? Yeah. But I don't really care if the attacks hit, like I'm scoring regardless. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels that way with this war band where you, some of the stuff you can do, it's like the attacks hitting is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take it, but I don't need it to happen. Right. Um, and that's a good feeling to have, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I'll say the other two that I was thinking about are deceptively cunning and mm-hmm. cruel tactics. Is there yeah. either one of those that you particularly like, or do you dislike both of them for some reason? I, I actually like them both. <laughs> I, I probably keep them both in. Um, this warband has enough reactions that I think uh, deceptively cunning, third or successive reaction in the same phase. This is uh, one of their more not passive, but you know, like you can make headway with. This is this is uh, one where like okay, me just walking, uh, Herc up and tooting his horn gets me a reaction right away, and then maybe I get to set up the other ones um, later. Like that that gives value on a relatively uh, low interaction Herc early activation, uh, and if you have the right upgrades and they have a, f- a few particularly good ones for that, you can you can make progress that's really hard to stop with this. So yeah. Uh, and it is one that you can score by drawing into like you're you're kind of doing these things you're kind of making these reactions so like make sure you're counting your reactions as you go just in case you draw into this and then you know like okay well i'm i know that i'm already at two or i know i'm i'm already past this i just need to make one more um and then i can score this 
Yeah. Um, in the games where I was playing, I, I think every time I scored this, I had to stop and take <laughs> about a minute to be like, I did this and then I did that and I did this yeah. and that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, yep. That was my third reaction. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think of it almost like uh, when you're playing against the heavy spell builds. Um, yeah. And you can see me counting and yeah, it's like, okay, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, whether, whether you have it or not, you should just uh, make yeah, it happen. Always, always it count it. Yep. Yeah. Um, um, and then cruel tactics. I actually scored this. I, I, I was some card draw help uh, because I had the bust their ears uh, scheme. Yeah. And so uh, I had a really easy double support early in both games. And um, this is, this is a card that you kind of see in, it, it was in, what, a destruction card. Uh, I think you saw it specifically in Cunning Crew, uh, kind yeah. of a version of this. Um, had a, and this actually has another caveat. So if you can't set up that double support, which is a little harder in this warband uh, than a third or subsequent supported attack action in the same phase. This is another thing where that Cruel Skewer can be making progress for you, even if it's not actually doing anything on the on the tabletop. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of times where I just incidentally because i was doing what i wanted to be doing anyway managed to get cruel tactics yep um and deceptively cunning like it was just like yep this is this is my game plan i will be making these extra spear attacks i will be doing the other reactions with snag and the horn so i'm gonna get there eventually and like that that's a pretty good feeling yeah, with their speed, this is so much easier to set up if you can make the enemy come to you. If you're having a oh, yeah. to to get to them, then it's hard to set up those supported attacks. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, this is a significant worry for me with the warband. But <laughs> yeah. I think I think with so well, we'll save it for later. We've got a yeah. lot more cards to get through. Yep. Um, um, I'll, I'll just uh, mention in passing the last surge is a kill surge. Uh, as as kill surges go, it's it's not the worst. Uh, it's cruelest of them all. Either your leader needs to kill, or you have to kill with a critical hit. Um, so that's yeah. pretty self explanatory. I think we can move on to end phases here. Yeah, and we've already covered two of those. Um, any of the remaining end phases you you uh, think are worth chatting about? So there's two that I think are worth talking about. The other two are kind of like eh, could take it or leave it. Um, yeah. So there's two two glory end phases, and those are the ones that I like. Legendary Cruelty and Storied Stabbin. Mm. Um, neither of them are particularly easy, yeah. I will say. Um, <laughs> so the one I like better, and I think you might like the other one a little bit better. Uh, so I like Storied Stabbin okay. Uh, I think I probably cut, cut it more often than not. But so this is a, a dual. And so you have... <laughs> You have to have the number of friendly fighters out of action is lower than the round number. So zero, one, or two have to be Mm -hmm. the thresholds. And then a number of enemy fighters out of action is equal to or greater than the round number. So the best time to have this is in round one where you manage a kill and don't lose any fighters. Mm -hmm. That is ideal circumstance to get this yeah and that's really nice for two glory yeah as the game progresses this gets harder and harder and harder to do and so it's this weird situation where it's a two glory end phase that you don't want to see late yeah um which doesn't come up very often so in that sense it's not great but i do like having that ability to sort of like jump ahead a little bit if you can get it in the first round so Mm -hmm. um 
it's okay. There's a there's a lot of cards that are kind of like this. They have checks around like, oh, how many enemy fighters are out of action? And they're way better than this card. So I'm not entirely sure why this card got the extra caveats, but either yeah. way, it's not horrible. This is Breakneck, Stra- uh, Breakneck Slaughter's Rapid Strike with a uh, pretty and rough I, extra caveat. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I think where you and I landed on this card uh, is representative of what we played against. Um, I think you were maybe playing against warbands that felt like, yeah, I do need to send somebody into your territory, which gave you a chance to maybe hit somebody. Uh, you know, a sepulchral guard, like I can I can tear down. Although I guess they have the resurrect mechanic, so that is challenging. But um, yeah, for me, with, with thrice fold control that we're standing off, I was like, it's really hard for me to get somebody and I'm having to reach to do it. So they're counter punching and dragging somebody down this felt this felt like not not achievable even in round one for me um so i i hated it but i think it's such a matchup dependent card and i think for that reason it maybe doesn't make the cut unless you're really desperate Agreed. Um, or if you yeah. know your meta is stacked in such a way that you can kind of guarantee it sure uh another meta call was the other one you mentioned legendary cruelty and this where you need every enemy fighter to have a wound counter or be out of action that is potentially a really big ask. Uh, it is sometimes pretty nicely set up for the end round, but it, it, it you know, in the, in the, I'm sorry, end round, in the third round where yeah. they're just down to one or two and uh, maybe they're running away, they're, they're wounded fighters, um, but it's not, it's not great by any means. No, there are certain matchups where it's impossible. Yeah. Um, like against Exile Dead, you will never score this. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. won't happen. Um, yeah. So the, you could say the same thing for storied seven, but yeah. like maybe there's at least a chance if like sure. That's a good point. you just happen to get a kill and they don't get revived right away or you killed one of the guys who can't be revived, but it's still rough. I don't think either of them are like auto includes, which is not what you really want for your two glory end phases. But uh, one of the things that we kind of have to always remind ourselves of, I think, because I certainly am guilty of this is card quality in nemesis is not what it is in championship yeah there are yep. times where you just need a two glory end phase and yeah. you'll just have to deal with it have to work with it yeah yeah uh the last two are just one glory end phases that are in our opinion a little too difficult to to yeah. get for what they are that's aspire and kill a boss and uh kind of collector so yeah yeah uh, i don't think yeah. there's much to say about those right don't don't run them if you don't have to, I think is where I'm, I landed on them. Uh, we only have four gambits to cover. So <laughs> yeah, we uh, might as well. <laughs> we, we can, we can uh, touch on them real quick here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and steal the one that I know we both love. And that is cruel teamwork. Oh that's, yeah. That's a push. It's a double push. Choose two friendly fighters, push each chosen fighter. One hex really important for setting up supports for benefiting or trying to overcome some of your movement issues um and just generally great the only thing to keep in mind is that it does say choose two not choose up to two so yep. if you have just one fighter left this is a dead card and you can't even salvage it so yeah uh, but you're you're in a bad way i great i can't imagine it being anything other than an auto include and i don't think there's a whole lot more to say about that yep double pushes right. are in my book always auto includes if yeah. they're in your faction um yep. just take them they'll always do work uh let's see i guess one that i already mentioned uh, earlier was cunning trap Mm -hmm. this is a keyword to be a trap conveniently that they remembered that that's a keyword in this game uh (laughs) not that it matters for anything yet but 
maybe down the line. Uh, yeah. So this is a reaction. You play this after an enemy fighter's move action. Uh, it, it does have to end adjacent to one or more friendly fighters, but the, the timing there is important. This is mm-hmm. after the move. So you could interrupt a um, charge if somebody were to do something with a vulnerable fighter. Uh, yeah. You will roll one magic dice, and on a roll of a channel, you will deal one damage to that fighter. Um, this is significantly below par for what we have been seeing for pings. Like, just by far and away, not as good as what a lot of the pings we've been seeing. Uh, but I think actually appropriately designed, strangely enough. Yeah. Um, uh, I might have been okay if they said on a channel or a crit, um, 50, 50. Yeah, I think I would have been okay with that too. Uh, uh, Sky, Skyler had somebody die uh, before they could make their attack on a charge. Sure did. And so he was talking about how great this card was. And I was like, we're talking about the same card, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and now that I now that I hear that you drew it specifically from Outfinkum, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even believe it. But uh, I, I think I was just, you know, again, it, it, uh, it's representative of what we've been playing against. I, I've played yeah. a, a lot against... Um, Hexbane, who are doing a ton of range three things, and um, I'm just getting getting pummeled at range from from these guys, and uh, I'm like, well, you know, maybe once in a while somebody comes adjacent, but even then they're not vulnerables, and even then I've got a fifty fifty. And Skylar, meanwhile, is like, uh, the the charge I needed to keep me in it was denied by this, so it's it's really good. So um, high highs, low lows, um, and I, I think you know, so it doesn't make the cut in championship at all and i'm personally probably cutting it right in, uh, in uh, nemesis but uh, yeah the only reason i'm keeping it in at least the first builds i've made is that these guys just need more damage yeah i yeah. like i will take anything yeah <laughs> um they, it gives you it gives you another reaction too i suppose it true and even if the even if the reaction doesn't succeed it still counts as a reaction so um that is something it is not nothing. Um, not not like really good, but also I think many people have cried foul for how pings have been playing out. So yeah. maybe the designers are listening. Yeah. Um, and that is a good thing, I think, ultimately. Yeah. But it feels bad. Yeah. Um, the other two, they're both sort of card draw related. Um, yep. Do you have a preference on which one we go uh, with next? Stolen No What's is really easy to cover. Think of Duel of Wits that only triggers if your leader takes an enemy fighter out of action. Yeah. Um, it is uh, restricted him, so you can salvage it if the leader's dead. Um, yeah. Good. Uh, I, I actually like this one. I, I would like your leader, I would like my leader to be doing some killing. And if he gets taken off the board, then it'll replace itself. So yeah. totally fine. Uh, I generally would keep that in, I think. Yeah, an odd card that I I just felt I ended up in some awkward situations where I wasn't activating Dagok because I wanted to be able to get the spear. Oh, because you want to be able to get the because I want yeah. the extra damage from the yeah. spear. So I was like, well, uh, you know, I'll make the attacks with the other guys so that I can get the spear reaction. Oh, right. And then, and then I was never doing the killing with the boss. Sure, um, sure. And because I was playing a very defensive. Uh, force of frost build i would stack up all this stuff because i was like oh dagak's got to survive and then sky was like i'm never gonna attack that like yeah multiple defense dice damage reduction like all this stuff and he was like well i'm never gonna swing at him and i was like <laughs> oh 
whoops, like I, I almost put myself into a bad situation because you're not attacking my boss. Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, getting to draw two off of a kill is good. We've seen it in a couple of other places as well. Some upgrades that have a reaction on them to do it. And there's like some older, older war bands that I think have the same effect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing yep. bad there. Uh, it's it's not super reliable card draw, but it's card draw. Sure. The other one, and the last one, and one that is a new design space, and I really like the design space. I'm not 100% sold on the card, though, is Stacking to Odds. So this is a card where you get to pick one. You can either draw an objective card and then put an objective from your hand on the bottom of your deck, mm-hmm. or... You can put two power cards from your hand on the bottom of your deck and draw two power cards. Uh, there's a lot of implications to that. Um, yeah. The the first and probably f- the one that will matter the most in most games is that it gives you a guaranteed way to draw two for Outfinkum. Yep. Uh, assuming you have the two power cards in your hand to put on the bottom um right. i guess that's important you can't play this for that mode if you don't have two power cards yeah um i think most of the time what you would do with this is you'd take two upgrades that you can't play yet and then try to draw for more gambits yeah uh the only time i actually got to play it is that i had an opening hand that had one good gambit this gambit and three upgrades Oh, and that. and I was actually like, this is better than a mulligan. Yeah. Because I already know I have one gambit I want, and then I can just replace two of the three upgrades with something else. Um, so that felt really nice. I don't know how often we do the objective side of this, mm. but I have to imagine there's a scenario where you're like, I I either can't meet this condition yet, but I know I will eventually, or I can no longer meet this condition and I don't want to wait to like get another objective and I don't want to waste an action cycling. So instead I'll play this card and swap it out mm-hmm. and then uh, it'll just save me some time. Yep. Uh, both conditions are situational to the extreme, but like I think they could be game changing in the right situations which is usually the sign of a card that's just not quite good enough because it's like situationally great but most of the time not really playable is not good enough but Mm. um there's some interesting implications there i think and i think it deserves some more play testing sure yeah uh well that covers all the gambits um let's keep it rolling to upgrades here Uh, yeah i think a good couple of upgrades to talk about first are the ones that uh, interact with schemes. So agreed. Uh, we'll talk. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out cruel braggart uh, first of all, and that is a reaction after you put a scheme under your warband's plot card, gain one glory point and break this card. Um, that's pretty sweet. Uh, it's not spent yeah. glory. It happens uh, during the game. So we've seen cards that do this, but, like I said, give spent or have to wait till the end of the game, but an upgrade, this is like sneaking an extra surge into your deck almost. Um, Basically. uh, Yeah. So uh, I think that is pretty, pretty sweet. Um, And I think if you are 
doing doing the scheme thing, then I think you include this. And if you're not doing the scheme thing, then why are you playing this warband? So yeah, it's it's it'd be very questionable if you're not yeah. using any of the schemes. Um, yeah. uh, I'm realizing my count was off because there's even another one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was there thinking, is yeah. Uh, so there's there's actually four upgrades that uh, interact. So yeah, I um, actually forgot about one of them too. Yep. Um, pick one. Yeah, but one one other thing to that I want to mention about Cruel Braggart, it is it is a reaction. So when you do this, you do mm. get to up your reaction count. Sure. Um, and the other caveat to this card is that I so the way I usually place my upgrades on my fighter cards is that I like put them so I can just see sort of that the, there's a just that I know there's an upgrade there. I don't like leave the whole bunch of the cards sitting out. Yeah. And I would kind of forget that this was there. Yeah. And because this is a reaction, it doesn't just happen automatically. You have right. to choose right. have to, to choose do it. To do it, sure. Yeah. So I was thinking to myself, how do I make sure I don't forget about this? And I was thinking, I'm going to have to like set it to the side of the fighter so that it's like obvious that it's showing. Um, just to remind myself, because otherwise I feel like there's going to be a lot of games where it's like, I'll put the scheme under the plot card. And then, you know, an action later, I'll be like, oh, wait, I should have done this. And yeah. at that point, technically, it's too late. Yeah. And so, um, you know, in a, in a casual environment, that's perfectly fine. Because, like, sometimes people will forget that it's like, oh, I should have scored this objective, which technically you can't miss scoring objectives now. So in that case, if they notice it, they have to score it. But in this case... It is a skipped game action. And so like, because you didn't do it in a tournament, your opponent should just say, sorry, you missed it. Yeah. Um, and that would be a real, feel real bad. So yeah, yeah. Uh, have a plan for how to remember Cruel Bragger. <laughs> Lay it um, your fighter card. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, next so one. I think the other one that I like a lot is Death Proof. And mm -hmm. I think it's probably pretty important for the warband too. I think um, so. And I will say that I was cold on this until I realized how badly I was understanding the persist rule. So yeah, um, this, this gets so, a lot better knowing that you can persist across rounds. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so this one is really straightforward. It's plus one defense. Well, you have one or more persisting schemes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too hard of a condition to meet. There is a little bit of delay, so it's not just automatic. Yeah. And there will be awkward situations where, like, you've got take that head as yeah. your persisting scheme, and you're yeah. like, I'm using this to try and get a kill, but if I do, I lose my defense boost. So you're, yeah. like, in this push-pull. But I think more often than not, you're okay with that trade-off. Yeah. Um, I found it to be really useful and I found that once I had it going on somebody that that fighter generally got left alone mm. um, because they're on, on two block. And uh, when your choices are one dodge, one block or two block, you <laughs> usually are just like, I'll go with the easy to hit guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it has interesting synergies with uh, if you are, I don't know, like using some of these things like armor of ice or moving mark or something, you get up to some really crazy defensive yeah, like three block and yeah. doing weird stuff. But yep. uh, yeah, so, so they can be tanky, at least one fighter. Um, I usually would make it Dagok yep. because he's just so important. But yep. um, yeah, I, I really like that one. I think it's, it's simple, it's straightforward and it's pretty powerful. Yeah. 
Uh, Mork's Mangler is the one I was forgetting that interacts. Uh, yeah. And that yep. is, or it's one of the two I was forgetting. And this is uh, uh, escalating bonuses depending on how many, how many schemes you have buried. So he, your fighter gains the following abilities. If you have one scheme, you stagger. If you have two, uh, cleave and three or more, you get grievous one. Um, given how hard up this warband feels for damage, sometimes um, getting to that grievous one feels pretty tempting, uh, especially if you are on that three smash profile that a couple of them get to. Yep. Um, or even uh, you know, even if you're um, flying around with some um, scything attacks. Um, so, uh, but the the cleave like a three smash cleave in in this meta with fighters getting to two block uh with moving mark or or what have you um that's a big deal so uh i think this is yeah. a this is a pretty interesting one again if you're leaning into schemes um so. yeah um and i really liked being able to put stagger on the cruel skewer reaction yeah um being able to after the move of your charge skewer and if it hits you then have a reroll on your subsequent charge attack sure uh, felt pretty cool. One thing that I kept forgetting when I was playing with it, and I think Bear's uh, calling out, is that this only affects range one and two attack actions. Hmm. So you cannot end up adding Stagger, Cleaver, Grievous to a weapon that is range three plus. Sure. Uh, which it's like, hey, that's not that big a deal. But like in the moment, if you're hoping, like if you're thinking and yeah. planning that those things are going to stack then, and then they don't, you're like, Oh, whoops. I yep. made a hugely big tactical blunder. Yeah. Um, so just something to remember. Cause I made that mistake multiple times and it felt yeah. bad. Uh, we'll gloss over this quick. The last one that interacts with schemes is Finkin uh, muscles. Yeah. Um, and this, you have to take the pass action yeah. and then you can recycle schemes out of your discard pile or that are persisting. Uh, there's, I mean, in the most corner case of corner cases, you might figure out a big thing. We, we had the weird thought that, uh, if you use it with uh, frozen in time, uh, yeah. which you to take a pass action, you're like, ah, oh, it's perfect. Uh, but man, uh, <laughs> it, 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 uh, yeah, even, perfect. even then, <laughs> even even then, like the payoff is not particularly impressive. So, uh, no. and it breaks. You can use it once. So, yeah. Which, if you're passing more than once in the game, then what are you even doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, enough a said. Wild upgrade. Yeah. Uh, I I will just say, please, no one ever play this card. It is so bad. And I'll just say, please, somebody beat phil <laughs> yeah specifically use it to beat me and be like look at how good this is it's like, oh, okay sure 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 prove prove it to me and then i'll change my mind yeah. but until until someone beats me with it i will continue to hold my ground on saying this yeah. card is unplayable yeah uh yeah so i will i will revise my original uh comment we we had 13 of the 32 cards in this deck uh interact with schemes so yeah uh, still in that one third range uh, we got six upgrades left. Phil, give me one of them that you uh, particularly like. And I think I know what your favorite of the remaining are, but we'll see. Uh, well, I do have one favorite of the remaining, but I think I'll leave it for you because okay. I know how much you love pushes. Yeah. Um, so the other one that I do like a decent amount is Intimidating. And, mm, yep. and this is another one that's sort of like a meta call, but but I found it ended up working out really well um, is, and it's just, it's minus one dice to a minimum of one from adjacent enemy fighters attacking this fighter. Mm -hmm. um, came up a uh, 
surprising amount when I was playing the matches against the warband Skylar was using. And admittedly, those warbands don't have a lot of ranged attacks. Yeah. So it ended up being really good there. In most matches, there will be at least one fighter who's range one. So it's like, well, it has some use. Uh, and then, you know, if you've got Domitan on the extreme where it's like, yeah, that'll never, it'll never come up. But yeah, that's pretty rare. So um, minus one dice is a really big deal. Right. Like that is a like if anybody has dealt with Kanan's minus one dice upgrade and how horrible it is <laughs> to try and remember to position yourself around that. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't have to even be targeting Kanan to yeah, have the negative. Um, it is it is backbreaking. And then also, you know, sometimes with upgrades, you play them out and your opponent forgets what all your upgrades are and they'll yeah. come in and charge and be like, okay, I'll attack. And I'll be like, yeah, that's going to be one smash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh no. Yeah. And um, I, I think with some of the support stuff, this warband wants to do, like they, they have some incentive to, and with the cruel skewer, they have some incentive to get in close. Like I'm going to yeah. get right next to you. Uh, and now that I'm right next to you, I'm going to throw intimidate none and you can either stand here and swing away with this reduced uh, efficacy. Like we're talking about these fighters that have maybe a, a range to attack, or I'm going to force you to charge away um, and and then uh, limit what you can do later in the round. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So I like it a decent amount. Um, it's not perfect, but it, it's still effective. Yep. Uh, you were leaving kindly. You were leaving sneaky get to me. Not a lot to be yeah. said here. It's a reaction after this fighter's activation. Put this fighter one hex. Push this fighter one hex. Uh, great for the uh, getting your three reactions for that surge. Uh, so many positioning tricks you can do with this. Has a little bit of overlap. Um, like it, you can't just put it on um, Herc and because uh, it it, it ac occupies the same spot as his toot. Uh, yeah, ability, but uh, a lot of great stuff you can do, and especially when you remember that there are uh, two fighters that have range two attack actions base. Um, yeah, and I've I've done great stuff with um, Ripa's where you'll okay, I'm I'm gonna do some low low acuity stuff, and I'll use that to kind of surf my way closer, and then do the thing I really want to do. So um, love it. Yeah. Um, yep. It, it's like it's like one of those. Uh, it's one of those upgrades that like, this is a great utility upgrade. Um, and there are other upgrades you might prefer to see ahead of it, like a, a plus one dice or reroll attack or plus one damage or something like that. But, uh, uh, it, this is like top, top level utility upgrade. Yeah. Ad having seen all the different variations on this, where it's like after an attack, but not on a super action or only after they do this type of action, yeah. having it be, anything just yep. do something with the fighter get to push one is really strong so yep. very very high on that card um i think you can you can do a lot of work with that yep there are four remaining upgrades we haven't talked about i think so i think there's maybe two to just mention briefly sure. um so big bully Mm -hmm. Is this just very strange? It's plus one wounds, but it can only go on anybody but your leader. Yeah. Um, which I really don't like. Uh, there's a lot of situations where going to five wounds is actually just a detriment now. Yeah. Um, there's very few situations where, at least in Nemesis, where I'm feeling like by going to five wounds, it's buying me an extra attack that I can survive. 
Yeah. Right. Cause most attacks are either two or three. Yeah. Um, it gives you one extra hit from a two damage attack, but you're then worth two glory. So it's like, yeah. do I even want to risk that? Um, and against three damage attack, it does absolutely nothing for you. So I, I don't, I don't know if I even keep this in the deck most of the time. Um, I, I was, it was a cut for me. Um, yeah. I, if it, if it could be played on Dagok, I'd keep it. Uh, yep. it so I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's weird because like Dagok even doesn't inspire that often. So like, we're even considering this upgrade for it as if it would be good on him, but like, it's kind of the same for him in some ways. Yeah. Um, so a weird one. Uh, you know, I honestly, I would have been pretty okay with it just being a uh, great fortitude in the deck. And uh, a really funny thing about this card is it actually has Dagok in the art. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> um, and then the last one that I think is worth talking about, not because it's good, but because it's like, what what exactly was the point of this and it's maybe it's just a synergy piece um it gives an action to the fighter it's called a keen finca yeah you discard a power card to draw two power cards yeah um i have to imagine that it's there so you can trigger your out finkum yeah and then also i think there's maybe the smallest amount of utility with herc being able to take this action to then get yeah. his horn counter yeah um it it's too big a price to pay for yep. an action so, absolutely absolutely yep. even like so the weird thing i think with this card is like a normal action that you can just always take in the game is to draw one power card mm -hmm. this lets you draw two but you had to discard one so the yep. net is still the same yeah and you had to play an upgrade to do it first yeah like this card really should have been just take an action draw two power cards yeah. yeah yeah that'd have been wrong that would have been playable yeah but as is i think you cut it yeah um, unfortunately so. uh just to gloss over the last two are extra cunning which gives in snare that is an incredibly modest accuracy boost yep. um, so it's worth getting cut if you can find accuracy anywhere else which you can <laughs> and you can and uh, uh and there's extra scary which is a weird one you react after an activation where you made an attack and stagger someone who's adjacent there's a lot of setup and positioning um the only reason you're taking this is to get more reactions and because uh the warband could use some accuracy so getting a stagger out if you can get it out early is helpful but it's just such a weird one that it, I, I don't feel strongly about this it no nope. um so yeah, I cut it every time. Yeah, uh, and that covers the uh, cards in this. Let's uh, let's do a little bit of quick talking about um, uh, pairings, and then we'll talk uh, kind of broad overview, and uh, then we'll wrap up. Yeah. Um, what what uh, jumped out to you as a viable pairing for these guys, and why? So I I sort of started looking at pairings, thinking there's two different things I would want to shore up with the warband, either. I need to have more damage so that I can be aggressive with the fighters or I need to be able to have enough passive scoring to force the opponents to come to me so that I have a better chance of taking advantage of all the weird support synergy and the spear thing. So I, I thought they probably work better with passive um, because I don't think that their defensive profiles help them out a whole lot with being super aggressive. Yeah. So I thought the first, like the most survivable 
pairing that I could think of for them, and it has passive scoring, is Force of Frost. Um, Force of Frost gives you an extra wound upgrade that can go on anybody. It gives you the damage reduction on yeah. the cloak. It gives you uh, the two def- like the two block from the armor of ice. Yeah. Um, Gives you frozen in time so you can take those pass actions. Oh yeah. You know, (laughs) you gotta, you gotta get that frozen in time in there. Um, as, as we've seen, it's in every force frost build now. Um, (laughs) and, and then the, the ice counter stuff. So you end up with these situations where, um, you know, if you're trying to be passive, there's not a whole lot more passive than just stacking counters on your fighter to score to glory. Yep. Um, it's it's modest um you, you can also bring chasm key uh so it's sort of three glory from stacking ice counters but chasm key's not quite the same because you have to wait until the very end of the game to score it yeah. so that's not really the reason that you would go into ice counters but i think um if your opponent sees it's like hey you're starting to stack these ice counters and they're not engaging me unless i feel like i can score a bunch from them just sitting back and because they're not pressuring me, like I, I think it does start to put some pressure on your opponent. So I liked Force of Frost for that reason, but it does absolutely nothing to shore up your damage problems um, and not really a whole lot to shore up your accuracy either. So uh, you're kind of going all in on the like survive yeah. and make a whole bunch of attacks because I'm surviving long enough to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I tried pairing with Breakneck Slaughter. Um, I was seeing all these surges for making multiple attacks. Like, well, let me just add Gale Force to the mix. Yeah, why not? Um, that feels pretty <laughs> good. Uh, there's a couple of great two glory end phases, uh, Rapid Strike and uh, uh, Eager for the Fight. Um, yeah. So I was like, I think there's, I think there's a lot here that that um, cooperates with that. But it it, uh, it meant that I had almost no sit still and score and yeah uh, and then it meant that when i went into a like i said several times a control thrice fold i was like uh i i can maybe engineer a way to get one or two attacks um in this in this first round and i have no way of scoring glory unless i unless you know brian makes some mistakes and uh so it felt super bad um but i think it would feel pretty decent into somebody who was going to engage a little more heavily um so i don't yeah. have a terrible choice that pairing uh, especially since i uh, like the idea of uh tumbler uh moving mark um not has it roll roll with the punches um which is some damage yeah the minus one damage thing yeah because that that capitalizes on one of the strengths this warband has which I, I don't know if we gave enough credit to which is uh four fighters with four wounds is uh yeah is pretty great yeah um and so those are those are all ways to kind of um, shore up what they have. And there's a spear in there. There's a there's a two damage, um, two yeah two yeah range. get a, get another range two attack out onto your uh, like herc or something. Yeah, exactly. And that makes supports easier. So um, I, I there were a lot of things that I liked about that, and it just didn't work out in practice. The other one I wanted to try, and I, I built one, uh, but didn't get uh, nobody. None of us got a chance to use it. It was a void cursed. Yeah. Um, and that's almost becoming a meme for me. Um, <laughs> try why not try it with void cursed? Yeah. Um, why not? Yeah. It, there's a lot of extra move actions there, uh, between the refashioned reactions, um, and the, uh, forced movements. And 
wow, then you can leverage those great, great, cruel skewer attacks. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I joke, but uh, yeah. you, you could potentially get to your required number of attacks and supported attacks pretty early in the round. Um, Agreed. With that. Um, and it'll get people up. So, like, if you refashioned Reaction Herc into the mix and then let him make an attack instead of having a charge and then get his supports out. So I, I think there's actually a lot to uh, to gain there. And because they all start as not being large, uh, it has the one uh, damage reduction for a Void Cursed Fighter. Um, that feels real good in this as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only thing... So I think there's a lot to like there. I, th- I really want to try it. Um, it. It's a lot to keep track of. There's going to be a lot yeah. of moving parts in that deck. Yeah. Um, I think... The one thing that has me a little worried is that uh, end phase objectives is not yeah. a strong suit of uh, Void Curse. And yeah. it's also not a strong suit of this deck. You've got two that are like, yeah, definitely I can take these. And then the rest are kind of like, yeah, I could get by with some of these. Yeah, uh, what what I do like about it, and and it's not great, but um, you have uh, unceasing imperatives and unwitting guardians are two one glory and phase, quite reliable scores. Where if you're yeah. playing against somebody who's just not going to come to you or or whatever, you you have a, a good chance to just like I'm at least going to get some seed glory to get the ball rolling, get yeah. these upgrades out of my hand. Um, so I really want to try it, and I I'd encourage listeners to to give that a spin. Uh, yeah. once you're once you're done trying the rivals thing i think it's i'm a lot more excited for it after you guys um showed me how wrong i was <laughs> uh, yeah so. I, i'm also very excited to try it i think there's a lot um yeah. that is cool there the last one that uh and you'll probably be shocked to hear this that uh <laughs> skylar put a, a little bug in my ear about is uh fearsome fortress of course he did yeah yeah um (laughs) but but after looking at all the tools that you get from fearsome fortress i was like actually this is probably pretty good yeah um so what it what it'll let you do more than the other options is that it gives you a better flex because you can now score from holding objectives oh sure and yeah getting on features and and from holding um in the middle you're kind of like you're you're sort of closing the gap with your opponent but not fully and then if your opponent's like i'm just gonna leave you alone it's like yeah okay that sounds great now i can just sit here and you know do my thing holding objectives scoring um and that deck also has two pushes for friendly fighters that are in your territory but like if you're not going to be super hard on engaging Mm -hmm. that's pretty okay Mm -hmm. um it has really good surges um that are passive so like they there's the one for going on guard while you're on a feature token in the mid area and then make a charge off of a feature token yeah i think you like both of those in there and then um there's a number of reactions that you get access to and they want more reactions and there's a range four weapon upgrade uh and it also staggers so it's like four yeah so it's like actually (laughs) <laughs> there's actually a lot there that you can leverage. And I, I hadn't thought about it until Skylar started to say all the same things that I just yeah. repeated, parroted perfectly. <laughs> I hope I missed nothing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's another one I'm willing to uh, consider and try out, but I think Void Curse is where I'm going to try and go next. Sure. Well, I think that uh, I think that is pretty much our overview of this war band. Um, I really went on an emotional roller coaster with these guys. <laughs> like I was, I was excited for them because I love the Cunning Crew, 
Uh, I had an awful opening experience with them. Uh, and I, you know, played a, a core rule incorrectly, not, you know, not a huge difference. You wouldn't think like it, it's a pretty subtle thing to get wrong, but I think it, it, um, it cascades to uh, a pretty big implication. So I I'm looking forward to, I'm back on board to, to playing them and yeah. uh, excited to be thinking and talking about them. And I hope that that comes across um, a, a little bit. The, the way that, um, Skyler put it as he felt like the skill floor on this warband is much higher than a lot of the warbands we've seen lately mm. where it's like you kind of are going to need to get the reps in before you can really understand how best to manage some of the downsides of the warband yeah and then be able to start to unlock the benefits yeah um and i think i felt that quite a bit especially in the rivals game where i was mm-hmm. like man i don't even know like, <laughs> what the right thing to do here is yeah um and then once you started deck building i was like oh yeah okay we can start to like shore up some of the weaknesses and take advantage of the strengths and it's all of a sudden kind of clicking so yeah um it's kind of a cool place for a warband to be it's very different than what we've been seeing yeah yeah i'd agree um i I, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what people do with them. I, I think that there's some folks who will um, do some surprising things with them if they want to. I, I think you, if you dive deep on this warband, I think there is some uh, more there than the casual player will get out of them. And that's, uh, that's some of the things I like best about Underworlds. So um, I hope, I hope that proves to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, folks, please let us know what yeah. you manage figure out with this one. yeah yeah i'd love i'd love to hear it so uh phil any more thoughts before we start to wrap it up here no i don't think so we okay. we've rambled and schemed long enough yeah uh i think before we get to the outro i just you know want to express an appreciation for um for the way that we are able to approach this as a team because if this was just me and one other person like we'd be coming at like if it was just me and brian we come at this like these guys are terrible you know i think i got them with my games are like brian i think these guys freaking suck like i i i, I, w- I was i was as down on a war band as i've been uh and for me yeah. to like kind of come back around and be like actually i you know to have you guys able to talk a little bit of reason and it took some work you know i, I yeah was, i was uh i was brawling about them um but uh to get back to a point where i'm excited for them again um that's that's uh that's why we approach it as a team. So absolutely I you guys. Uh, I, uh, I think, I think Brian said that after playing against them, he pitied this war band. <laughs> yeah. I think, that's true. <laughs> uh, I think that's true. So I think Brian and I are both due for some comeuppance. I think we're both going to get our butts kicked by these, uh, this war band at some point. And, um, and I'll be happy to have that happen. Um, and, uh, if I had infinite hours, I would, I would be playing, all the war bands all the time oh but, man <laughs> absolutely yeah hey um do do give us a shout with your thoughts we we love to hear from you uh you can do that on our discord you can do that on the uh, platform formerly known as twitter that's at wthcast uh we're on blue sky same sort of handle at wthcast uh google uh sorry email works as well what the heck's cast at gmail.com uh, you can check out all our content, including our blog coverage of this warband and what will probably, unless I can get back in there and edit some real bad takes from me <laughs> about some of these cards uh, based on my misunderstanding of that. Um, 
we're going to try and uh, clean that up. But uh, uh, Scott was hard at work on getting our, our blog up and running uh, for release date. Uh, that is at themortalrealms.com. And of course, thanks to the Mortal Realms podcast network for having us on there. Uh, thanks to the patrons who support that network. They are the ones that make this possible by helping cover our uh, our hosting costs, our, uh, the cost of our recording platforms and all that sort of thing. Uh, it means that I don't have to be explaining uh, why I am... Uh, paying big amounts of money to Podbean <laughs> to, to my side. I'm like, Hey, no, uh, tell my wife it's, it's fine. We're, we're getting, uh, we're getting covered by the, our good listeners. Um, so, uh, tremendous, uh, tremendous big thanks to folks who do that. Well, I think we probably don't do that often enough, uh, coming up. If, uh, all goes according to plan, uh, and you're listening to this on the day of release, you will one week later hear, uh, about malevolent masks, a deck that we're very excited about, um, it is another head scratcher and I think it's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tune in for that. I think that's, that's a fun episode. Uh, Phil, you weren't on that. So I think you're going to enjoy getting to hear that one. Oh, I think so. I so, think so. Uh, Phil, we have one of, one of your favorite segments, right? Oh, so. well, I, 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 I think it's pretty enjoyable. Hopefully folks play along with us at home. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I've had I've had dreams of uh, doing some sort of maybe it would be a, a patron only, or maybe it would be you know an off week thing. But we do a whole episode of just like Underworlds trivia. So like, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Adepticon event for post. Oh man, yeah. Here we like, go. You, you Here we go. Bonus. Yeah. All right. Uh, like the super flavor text quiz or or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so I've got one for you here. Um, <clears throat> This one is a quote. It is attributed to one of the fighters. Uh, this one is attributed to Jags Dablita. See, you waits for him, then you stabs him. Uh, I believe this one is. I think it's Gutum. Oh, you you are in the right category. It is a gambit. Hmm, but it's not that one. Yeah, you got to uh, wait for somebody to do something, and then you stab them. I, oh, I, it, it's the trap. Is it cunning yeah, trap? It is cunning trap. Shout oh, out okay. <laughs> uh, oh, I should have known that, too, because he's, like, jumping off a cliff to stab <laughs> Domitan. He, he like, sure is. He'll yeah. never actually come up. Domitan doesn't use range one attacks. Uh, but anyway, yeah. uh, fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, your recommended listening for this episode is lads, 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 and it's by Lambrini girls. Um, and for what the hex I've been Davey and this is Phil. got it recorded in time yeah whole, just barely minute to spare. <laughs> i was starting to get a little anxious there at the end <laughs> yeah. i was like oh no <laughs> um uh, perfect well we should say thanks to gw for making this review possible by providing a preview copy of the warband <coughs> um <clears throat> thanks to cough drops for helping me out there um <laughs>